MacGyver, SG-1, Chapter 5, Shadows, Present Day. A crowd had started to form behind the police tape that blocked off the front of the furniture store and connecting parking lot. A lot that held a police car, a handful of police, and a frustrated MacGyver. Years ago, he had a cordial working relationship with the local police department through his work with the Phoenix Foundation and his friendship with Captain Mike Kiley. But things had changed. Since then, Mac left the Foundation and Kylie retired from the Force a few years after that. Now he was being questioned by a new detective about the body of the store owner and the two men MacGyver had tied up inside. Detective Dave Moulter grew up in Kansas as a short, stocky kid who overcompensated by acting tough like the movie characters he admired at the local rundown theater. He saw himself as a Sam Spade, complete with a cigarette and a gray trench coat. All just for his ego. Now he was taking it out on the man in front of him. Explain to me again why they're covered in sawdust and stuck to the floor? The lead detective was trying to trip him up to see if his story had changed. It was a classic tactic, but Mac was starting to show his frustration. He was being kept there going on two hours now. He had already sent Cindy and Caitlin home before the police came. No use getting them involved in this mess. Look, I already told you. Well, tell me again. While the troubleshooter fought to keep his patience with the overzealous head detective, a black SUV pulled in behind the growing crowd of onlookers. A moment after the engine shut off, two figures climbed out and made their way through the mass of people and under the yellow tape. And you just happen to be there, Mr. MacGyver. He had just about had enough of this guy's attitude when their conversation was interrupted. Uh, excuse me. We'll take it from here. Who the heck are you? General Jack O'Neill. This is... Colonel Carter. We're with the United States Air Force. Yeah? So? The detective tried to sound tough. Jack smirked. <sighs> so, this man is involved in a highly sensitive government investigation. And unless you'd like us to turn our attention on you, Detective Malter, was it? Yeah, I'd step aside. Mac couldn't help but smile as the detective stood slack-jawed, and then walked away as Jack shooed him away with a dismissive wave of his hand. 
He and Colonel Samantha Carter looked ready to go off-world in their matching green SG jackets and pants, minus the patches, flat jackets, and optional caps. Carter's blonde hair was pulled back in a ponytail while Jack's gaze somehow conveyed an intimidating authority. He shook his brother's hand while patting his opposite shoulder. Hey, Mac. Hey, Jack. Hope I didn't keep you from going... somewhere? He turned his attention to Carter. <laughs> hey, Sam. Giving her a welcoming hug. Her eyes bright and matching smile. Hi, Mac. How you been? Good until, well... This? Yeah, you gave the code. Alien tech? The three started walking towards the open side door into the factory. Yeah, I think so. Looked like a Zat gun. The Zat gun was the nickname Jack gave the ghouled weapon called a Zat Nicotel. A handheld energy weapon that can stun, kill, or evaporate depending on how many times it was fired. What's a Zat gun doing on Earth? Carter wondered out loud. More importantly, who has it now? Jack pondered. Recognize the buyer? No, uh, not someone from this neighborhood. As they walked around the aisles of crates, MacGyver looked around above them. Was kind of hoping there'd be a security camera around. We may need to go to the police station to get the names of the two I caught. Actually, no need. Carter reached into her pocket as they passed a couple officers going through the scene. Jack and Mac quizzically watched as the lieutenant colonel thumbed through her phone. They stayed silent after finding a spot out of the way of the debris until she continued. Here we go. The guys Max stopped have already been booked, so it was just a matter of using my clearances to get into the PD system. Jack squinted. Your clearance did all that? Well, that and a little bit of hacking. She answered with a sly smile. There were so many amazing sides to Samantha Carter that it can be forgiven to forget one. Both MacGyver and Jack admired her. She had accomplished so much in her life. Colonel in the Air Force, astrophysicist, and computer hacker, apparently. It was because of her genius that the Stargate works at all. Many times it was Carter that fixed a glitch in the gate system that got her and her team home safe. Jack started to peek around at her screen. We got a name? Yeah. Two, actually. Dave Rogers and Eric Westcott. They share the same address. Jack and Mac looked up at each other. Roomies? Maybe. Or it's a front. Want to check it out? With a nod, the three agreed. Carter made the sacrifice and went to look for Detective Moulter to update him and the LAPD on their plan. She thought a female might get a softer reaction than Jack's antagonistic bluntness. 
As she walked away, Jack and his brother walked among the forensic scientists going over the crime scene. One or two would do a double take when noticing the twins go by. Jack kept his hands in his empty pockets of his green jacket, while Max's hands hung by his thumbs off his jeans. So? How's the family? Uh, good. Good, Caitlin's growing like a weed. Sam's off on assignment. Cindy's busy as always. How about you? How's Teal'c and Daniel? Um, okay. Teal'c's off leading the Jaffa Nation and Daniel's off world. We were about to join him when we got your call. We still let you go off world? Jack smirked. I'm a general now. I can pretty much do whatever I want. Ah! Mac replied, returning a smile. They made their way to the area where Mac had subdued the two gunmen. A pool of hardened varnish laid in front of them. Mixed with a sawdust outline, where the two suspects stayed until the authorities arrived to dig them out. Jack's face scrunched up as he looked over the mess. You did this? Well, yeah. It's what was around. <laughs> Someday you're going to have to explain to me how your mind works. Mac took a moment to enjoy the compliment before moving on. How's it going with Samantha? Jack looked up at him. After all the years of hiding his feelings for her, the chance to talk openly about Samantha Carter was still new to the general. Actually, pretty great, he said with a smile. Now that I'm back under Cheyenne Mountain, we get to live under the same roof again. There was a time, shortly after Jack was made the head of Homeworld Security, that he and Carter could act on their feelings. Then, ironically, he was moved to Washington, D.C. And when Carter took a job to be closer to him, she was called back to lead the SG-1 team back in Colorado. Just when they found a way to make it work, the universe threw another roadblock in their way by sending her to another galaxy to lead the Atlantis expedition. Once she was sent back to Earth, he was determined to make sure she couldn't be taken away from him for so long again. Within a week of her return, they were married. Then the Stargate was moved to a sub-level of the Pentagon for a few years, and Washington, D.C. was their home. Recently, the gate was moved back to its original place in Cheyenne Mountain. Jack wasn't sure if it was a political decision or due to the high level of incidents the Stargate tended to cause, but he and Carter were happy to move back to Colorado. He even managed to buy back Jack's previous home. Mac saw a lot of it from the sidelines. I'm happy for you, Jack. You both deserve to be happy. Thanks. Carter came walking up behind them. She approached cautiously, not wanting to interrupt the two brothers catching up. Okay, so I've cleared it with the department. 
Detective Mulcher said the suspects are still being processed and they haven't gone to their address yet. So it's ours if we want it. Road trip, Jack announced as he turned on his heels. Mac and Carter smirked at each other. She could see the sparkle in his eye. Due to the life and death situations the troubleshooter had put himself in most of his life, he was never allowed to be the funny one in the room. Carter noticed Jack had a way of bringing out the light-hearted side of his twin as Mac followed up with Shotgun! and followed close behind. The trio made their way out of the building and through the crowd back to the black SUV parked out front. Jack jumped in the driver's seat and threw on his sunglasses as Carter took the back, allowing the brothers to sit up front together. She placed the tablet on her lap and shared the address with Jack as he put the car in gear. On their way, the three discussed the background of the men in custody. Both Rogers and Westcott served in special forces together. Westcott was Army Ranger and Rogers came from Marines. After that, they became Guns for Hire in South America uh, before disappearing off the radar a couple years ago, Carter thought out loud. Mac shifted in his seat and gazed out the side window. I wonder who supplied them with alien tech in the first place. As he drove, Jack contemplated enemies from his past that he could picture as the supplier. Senator Kinsey was dead, Colonel Mayborn was living off-world, and Colonel Makepeace was in jail for treason for exactly that type of thing. Each had become enemies of the Stargate program and the safety of the planet due to their greed. We should learn more once we get there, he added. Fifteen minutes later, they were across town and in the suburbs of a quiet neighborhood. Fenced-in yards with playing children freckled the area, and running lawnmowers could be heard in the distance. Not quite the place you would expect to find arms dealers, Carter said. I think that's the point. Hide in plain sight? Mac responded as he looked around. As they turned down the block, they slowed down while reading house numbers. The three noticed taillights of a moving van as it backed up to make the swing out of its parking space and started down the road. Was that? Carter squinted from the back seat. Maybe. But we're here now. Can't tip our hand. Jack pulled the vehicle into a freshly vacant space. As he turned the engine off, he rechecked the inside of his pocket and pulled out his automatic handgun to check the chamber. As he verified the bullets loaded, he could see the disappointing glare of his brother in the seat next to him. What? This again? I don't like guns, Jack. Yeah, me neither. I like getting shot a lot less. He said as he pulled himself out of the driver's side and up onto his feet. It was a constant source of contention between the two. In most ways, they were so alike. 
but on this issue, they always butted heads. It took as much for MacGyver to not lecture Jack as it took for Jack not to roll his eyes every time Mac tried to take a soft approach when dealing with problems. As the three looked over the property from the sidewalk, Jack tucked his sunglasses into the pocket of his jacket. It didn't look any different from any other well-kept house on the block. White siding, even a swing on the front porch. As Carter verified her automatic was in its holster on her back, they made their way up the two steps that lead into the yard. Sir, are you sure we have the right address? They were your directions, Carter. Despite being married, the two soldiers stayed professional when on the job. Jack still affectionately called her by her maiden name. Mac always found this cute. Hey, hey I'll secure the back. He announced as he walked away from the others who were trying to peek into one of the windows on the side before knocking on the front door. While in the back, MacGyver secured the back door from opening by using a garden hose and a rake to jam the door. If there was someone trying to run out the back, they wouldn't get very far. As he returned to the front, he could see Jack and Sam on the porch as Jack was knocking. What'd you do? He asked as Matt climbed the steps to join them. Hmm? Oh, I locked the back door. With what? A hose and a rake. Ah, of course. Jack teased as he knocked on the door again. After a moment of silence, he gave up and started to back up. Okay, look out. Bracing himself to kick the door down when Mac's hand grabbed his arm. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you try turning the knob? Jack relaxed and begrudgingly reached for the knob. With a click, it swung open. Not a word. I didn't say anything. Carter kept out of it as she hit her smirk. They walked into an empty living room with a lone desktop computer on a desk against the far wall. There were still impressions in the gray carpet left by the furniture. Both Sam and Jack lowered their weapons as Mac headed for the kitchen. Well, they left in a hurry. That must have been them in the truck as we pulled up, Sam said as she glanced around the edges of the room. Curtains were left on the windows, but other than the PC, there is nothing but a box of random computer parts left in the room. MacGyver opened all the kitchen cabinets as Jack checked the closets, gun in hand. Well, maybe there's something on the computer, he said, nodding to Carter to investigate its contents. As she sat down and started typing, Mac headed towards the stairs. I'm going to check the upstairs, he announced. Jack nodded in agreement and took a glance out the side window. wonder how they knew to leave so fast. Carter's fingers flew as her eyes darted back and forth on the screen. Eh, 
My guess, the two Max stopped either used one of their phone calls to warn the rest, or once they didn't come back, the rest probably ran. The thing I don't get is... Why leave a computer hooked up in an empty house? Mac was coming back down the steps as the question hung in the air. Well, nothing upstairs. It's completely empty. Any luck down here? They both turned towards the screen Carter was working on. There's not much on here. I'm trying to bring up addresses or anything that will lead us... She paused. Guys, take a look at this. She was soon flanked by both brothers. Ah, crap. What? The troubleshooter asked. He didn't recognize the symbol of a triangle with two lines across the left side, hidden at the bottom of a file. But Jack and Carter did. The Lucian Alliance, he explained. Matt cocked his head in confusion. Carter turned around to explain. The Lucian Alliance is a group of smugglers and mercenaries who took advantage of the power vacuum left by the Gould Empire being destroyed. We typically dealt with them on different planets, but it seems they found their way to Earth. She glanced over to Jack to try and read the look on his face. After a few moments, he chimed in. This is bad. If they get a foothold on this planet, they can expose the Stargate program and introduce alien weapons to the entire planet. Mac's stomach dropped. Can you imagine a kid getting a hold of a Zat gun? Jack reached into his pocket and pulled out his cell phone. I gotta call this in. As he turned away and started dialing, Mac leaned in to get a better look at the screen. When he noticed a red light being reflected off it from somewhere behind him. Carter noticed his face as he quizzically looked behind him for its source. She stood up and slowly shadowed him as they walked towards the window at the far wall. He looked around the frame, then the windowsill, and finally the curtain. As he pulled the curtain back, he noticed the black ball attached to the side of the frame. A small black light blinked in its steady pattern. Mac turned towards Jack, who was looking annoyed at his phone. Jack, he started. Jack looked up. Phone's dead. Jack, we have a problem. As Jack noticed the camera above them, a latch released and metal walls slammed down, sealing off every window and door to the outside. Max started to rush to the closest window, but was cut off before he could reach it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh? No problem, we'll use the PC to send a distress no sooner had Carter turned towards the desk when the computer <sighs> shut down. Or not. O'Neill glanced back at the camera. They gotta be watching us through that. Explains why they didn't take the computer. Whoa. Wait. You hear that? 
The other two checked with each other with a concerned glance before following the troubleshooter to the cellar door and down the dark steps. As the three reached the basement, they noticed the dim emergency lights that lit each corner of the cold, musty room. The floor was solid concrete, and the walls were very plain white sheetrock. Mac figured it must be to cover the solid metal foundation that allowed for the trap's hydraulics to work. The typical basement pipes ran along the ceiling, as well as webs and dust. Unfortunately, the basement door that led outside was blocked off with another one of the steel doors. Mac didn't think things can get worse. Until he found the source of the beeping he heard from upstairs. Along with the typical water and heating pipes that ran through the room were a series of newer pipes that wrapped along the walls. These were big, solid, silver pipes with the bolts welded shut. In the middle of one of them was a silver box with a small window in the front and red digital numbers counting down. The house was wired to blow. They had less than five minutes and no time to hesitate. Mac turned to the others. Alright, back upstairs, but before they could reach the first step, another latch release and the metal wall came slamming down, blocking the door and sealing the room. Aw, oh, come on! Yelled Jack at no one in particular. Mac could feel the eyes of Jack and Sam looking at him for answers. Now what? Oh, man. MacGyver SG-1 is written, edited, and narrated by Matt Jackson. Music by Brian Bozowski. Art by Jared Brown of Darkstream Studios. Ermel Mall and Nathan Shell of Commission Credentials. Donations can be made through PayPal at macwjackson at comcast.net. Look for more on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, and Twitter at macwjackson. Special thanks to Chuck Dixon, and especially Richard Dean Anderson, and everyone who is part of the Stargate and MacGyver worlds.